I hope you guys have uh, been encouraged by this series we've been doing this summer called The Way of Jesus, and you're starting to see even more how much different and how much better Jesus' way is from the way of the world. And I just want to affirm, I, I wasn't here a couple weeks ago during the last message, but how many of you guys were here for that and got to hear Shantae share about Jesus' way to significance? I, man, it was such an awesome message. And I just want to affirm that as we're walking through this passage of Scripture, that, man, we need to let these truths, like, actually sink down into our heart, not to just rush off to the next thing. And she really unpacked this really powerful passage. It's an image of the kind of intimacy that Jesus wants to have with us, the kind of relationship Jesus wants to have with us. It's an image of a vine and a branches, and, and God's like this vine dresser who's, who's pruning out the things in our lives that, that aren't bearing fruit so that we can be more fruitful. But he does that because he loves us. And he calls us his friend. I mean, just this one verse in John 15, if we can just start here today, because I think it's really important for what we're going to talk about in learning to deal with the difficult things in our life in Jesus' way, is learning to find our identity and our significance in our relationship with Jesus. That's the source of learning to deal with the difficult things in our life with God differently. I mean, this is what Jesus says in John 15. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you slaves. Because a master doesn't confide in his slaves. Now you are my friends, since I have told you everything the Father told me. You didn't choose me, I chose you. And I appointed you to go and produce lasting fruit, so the Father will give you whatever you ask for in my name. And I think tonight, one of the things that I think God wants to encourage us with is to have the boldness to ask for things in Jesus' name. To believe that Jesus wants to bring good fruit for our lives because he calls us his friends. He chose you. He loves you. He wants a relationship with you, and he wants good fruit to come through your life. He wants to, you to see the things of his kingdom become real for you. And if you feel like maybe you are looking for life in all the wrong places, you're still searching for significance in what other people think of you, and your bank account, or your sex life, or you know your performance and how well you're doing in your relationship with God, from your understanding, I want you to know that God sees so much more for you. He sees you as his friend. He gives you a value that comes from the creator of the universe that's yours to receive and believe that he has for you. I mean, what if we all saw ourselves that way as a friend of the king of the universe? And we just, that one truth that you are the one Jesus loves and that's sunk deep in our heart and you saw the people that you came in contact with every day as someone Jesus loves and was worth giving his life for. I mean, that would change the way we treat people, right? That would change the way we see ourselves. And finding our value and significance through Christ is really the starting point to deal with difficult things because if we don't see ourselves as a friend of God, when difficult things come, we might be tempted to just give up on him altogether. And God doesn't want that. He actually wants to grow us through the difficult things in our life. I mean, if you think about being a friend of Jesus and him sharing the work of his kingdom with us, Jesus brought his kingdom through suffering, through difficulty, through giving his life to show us God's love. And so we should expect that we're going to have some difficult things in our life. Am I right? And so today, I want to give you a challenge. I know pastors are supposed to wait to the end of the message to give you the challenge, but I actually want to give you a really practical challenge, like off the, off the top, like beginning. Under your chair, or you don't have to look at it now, but I've got something that's a challenge for you to take home. And it's a 30-day challenge to spend time with Jesus. And if that's a new practice for you, I want to encourage you to develop that as like a lifeline for you and your life of spending time with Jesus in scripture and prayer and learning to listen to God speak to you for yourself 
to bring the difficulties of your life to him and to not try to do it on your own, to do it with this relationship with God. And so the challenge is to spend some time with Jesus going through the book of John for the next 30 days. We're walking through John 13 through 17 together this summer, so I'm going to encourage you to start there, to like immerse yourself in these words, to let them soak in a little bit deeper. And there's a little tool that we use to help people learn how to do that if it's a new practice for you, if like this whole idea of a relationship with Jesus is new, you've never read the Bible before, it's called SOAPS. And it's, it's a little formulaic, but it's a simple way to learn how to engage reading the Bible for transformation and relationship, not just information, like reading another book. And so soaps, I, I like this image for two reasons. It helps us to remember how to do it, and the guide will walk you through kind of this simple way of engaging scripture, but it also remembers why we need to do it. Like, the reason why we need to spend time with Jesus is because just like what happens if you don't use soap on your physical body? What happens to you? Does anyone want to hang out with you? No, like you start to stink, right? And there are so many messages that come at us from the world all the time about who we are, about what we should believe about life. And if we don't let the truth of God's word soak into our mind, we're tempted to believe lies. And we're tempted to believe false things about ourselves, false things about God, and go after things that are going to leave our life to stink. And so God wants more for us than that. He wants us to learn to listen to him and to build our life on his truth. And so soaps just kind of walks you through how to do that and reminds you why it's important. Just like I need to wash my body because I'm a very sweaty person every day. Uh, You know, we need to spend time with Jesus uh, regularly. And don't be legalistic about it. If you miss a day, you know, God's not mad at you. Like, just do it the next day. You know, like, pick up where you left off. God wants a relationship with you, and he wants you to learn to listen to him through his scriptures. Um, And so I just want to encourage you to build that practice in your life. Next 30 days, you think we can do that together? Be awesome. I think it'd be so cool for you to grow in confidence in learning to listen to God for yourself. And this is really like the fundamentals of learning to walk with Jesus and live in his way. And when I grew up playing sports, it was really important to learn the fundamentals. And when I was eight years old, I started playing football for the first time. And my my dad was the coach. And so he started me off on the offensive line. And so I started like the position that was not glamorous at all. And I would, you know, learn how to get my stance and, and go through the little steps that it, it takes to block someone. And, and I played defensive end and I learned how to rush in the quarterback. And I still remember, uh, you know, those fundamentals were so important for learning how to play the game. And I remember uh, one game I was getting ready to rush the quarterback. And before the game, my dad had said, hey, if you hear me yell from the sideline, uh, pass, pass, don't rush in at the quarterback, just stand there. And the quarterback will literally throw the ball right to you. And I was like, okay, cool, I can do that, Dad. So I'm in the middle of the game, and I hear my dad on the sideline going, pass, pass. And so what does little Corey do? I get in my stance like he taught me to do, and then I just stand there. I don't rush in. And you know what happened? The guy threw me the ball, and it's the first time I've ever touched the ball. I was a lineman. And so I get the ball. I'm like, what do I do now? And I just start running as fast as I can. And do you know what happened? I scored my first touchdown. And do you know where my dad was and what he was doing? What do you think? My dad had run down the sideline because he got so lost in the moment. And he was jumping up and down in the end zone next to me. And I looked over at my dad and he was like, (laughs) because you're not supposed to do that, right, as the coach. But it gave me this picture right there of the kind of love my dad had for me and the joy that he took in me, you know, having success. And it gave me a picture of just a little glimpse of how our Father in Heaven feels about us, 
that God wants to lead us to an abundant life of love and joy and peace and purpose. He wants us to learn how to follow his direction. But we have to learn the fundamentals. We learn, have to learn how to get to know him. And the best place that you can get to know God's voice is by getting to know Jesus really well in his word. So I want to encourage you to do that. So that's first challenge, like off the jump. And so when we're talking about dealing with difficulties in the way of Jesus, I think it's just important to acknowledge that there, I've heard there's like three kinds of people in the world. And this isn't to be depressing, it's just reality. Like, there's somebody that's going through something difficult, there's someone who just got done going through something difficult, and there's somebody who is about to go through something difficult, but they don't know it. And that's not to be depressing, it's just the reality is, this world is difficult for so many different reasons. It's fallen away from God's original design and how he created it to be. The sin has impacted everything in the world, and so we experience difficulty. And one of the things I love about Jesus is that he's a realist, and he tells us to expect and embrace difficulties as a pathway to growth and dependence on God. And so that's the first thing you need to know about living in the way of Jesus and dealing with difficulties in the way that that he invites us to follow him is to expect and embrace those things in our life. And so I started with point number three, because I started with the challenge tonight that I wasn't supposed to do. Can you put that up, Jesus' way to difficulties? That's what we did. That was the first challenge, is commit to spending time with Jesus. And so can you go to the one where it says point number one? Because I always think it's helpful to have a visual. We need to expect and embrace difficulties in our life. We don't have to love the difficulties we're going through or avoid them. We just need to embrace them. And this is one of the things that I've learned. This is a really oversimplified uh, way of thinking about this, but I think it's helpful because that's where I see a lot of people get messed up. And I'm going to use the whiteboard. One thing you'll learn about me as a pastor, I don't like to teach without a whiteboard. And so I'm going to draw triangles and my drawings are not very good, but they, they make some complex things simple. Okay, so when you think about yourself, there's kind of two different ways to deal with difficulties. One is here's you, you and me. I'll, I'll put some long hair here. Okay, so uh, we'll, we'll just like, we'll, we'll make a guy and a girl. Okay, so we're going to have difficulties. And we have two ways to, to think about that in relationship with God. Like, here's the difficulty right here. It's going to happen. And when we start looking at the difficulty in our life and then judging God through it, we drown in the difficulty. And this is often what happens, is we don't expect that we're going to experience difficult things. And so when it happens, we start saying, well, how can God be good if this terrible thing is happening to me? And the reality is there are really terrible things, and there's like different levels of difficulties in our life. I'm not trying to oversimplify this. But there are things that make us wonder, how can God actually be good in our life? Or maybe there's something wrong with me. Like maybe I'm not doing the right thing, and I didn't obey God, and so I'm experiencing these difficulties. And sometimes that's true. Sometimes we do really dumb stuff, and we experience difficulties as a result. Like if you cheat on a test and you get caught, you created that difficulty on your own, right? Like we do dumb things, and we bring difficult things into our lives sometimes. But the reality is there are just difficult things that happen. We need to expect those things. There's a different way to deal with it where we learn to actually go to God to face the difficult things in our life. And this is the step we often don't do. We don't learn to come to God to face the difficult realities because when we do that, we actually find courage, we find hope, we find perspective, we find help. God doesn't want us to leave us, leave us alone to deal with our difficulties. That's a part of why he brings us into community, where we can encourage each other. The word encourage literally means to give courage to someone else. And that's why we need each other in community. But if we're just relying on the community, 
to face our difficulties, then we can really miss out because we miss out on the power that God offers us and the perspective that he offers us as we learn to bring those things to him. And I will tell you, after following Jesus for 27 years now, the people that I look to in my life that are the most mature, the people that I want mentoring and help from, they are people that have gone through incredible difficulties, but they've allowed God to break them and refine them and teach them deep things about himself that they could have never learned the other way. And did they want those things to happen in their life? No. But when you let God bring you through the pressure cooker of life and refine you and redeem you through the pain and difficulties of your life, man, you find something nobody can take away from you. And so I want to encourage you to, first thing, Jesus' way to deal with difficulties, not to be a Debbie Downer. It's just to be real with you. It's to expect and embrace those as, as opportunities to grow. And, you know, Jesus is really clear about this in the passage in John 15. He actually starts the passage this way. He says, if the world hates you, remember that it hated me first. This is right after he's talking about the vine and the branches, like you're my friend, okay? The world would love you as one of its own if you belong to it, but you are no longer part of the world. I chose you to come out of the world so it hates you. Do you remember what I told you? A slave is not greater than the master. Since they persecuted me naturally, they'll persecute you. Let's just say, like, off the jump, this is not bobblehead Jesus. Okay, can we put bobblehead Jesus up there? Like, buddy, this is not bobblehead Jesus who is just your buddy. Like, like Jesus, have you ever seen this guy? There are bobblehead Jesus out there. Like, we love buddy Jesus when we think about Jesus being our friend. We think about, like, hey, everything's going to be okay. Hey, yeah, you know, like. That's my natural, that's my natural MO, to be honest with you. Like, I didn't grow up in a family where we talked about difficult things very much. Like, we ended up having to face them because we went through difficult things. But I remember when I started to learn how to be honest about my soul and the difficult things in my life, I had some friends that I would just meet with for coffee and, and talk through some pain I was experiencing. And I remember my buddy, Brendan, he said, you know, you just talked about that with a smile on your face. And I was like, Okay, that's, that's how I do life. And he was like, it's okay to not be okay. I was like, I think I need to hear that. Like, this is not Buddy Jesus saying, just put a smile on, put a plastic face on, just, you know, spend a little five minutes in prayer in the morning and it's all going to be okay. Like, Jesus is saying, you will experience difficulties in this life following me where people hate you. Who likes to be hated? Does anybody here like to be hated? No. Like, I'm an approvalaholic. I like people to like me. I like people to think I'm great. I've had to face my own need for the approval of man instead of the approval of God to find a deeper source of security in my life. He's saying that God wants to have a relationship with you where you're seeking to obey him and please him as the primary audience of your life. Even if that means other people don't like you or they hate you for it. He's not saying when you post controversial things on Facebook and people are mad at you, you know, that's what it's like following me. Can we just agree that, like, we should put more videos of, like, cute cats on Facebook and not, like, controversial things? Like, my wife actually spent multiple months just posting a different stupid animal video every day just to, like, lighten the mood on social media, right? It's a little intense. Not the best place to have, like, deep conversations about politics and all these kinds of things. Like, these are important conversations to have. Social media, not the best place to have them. Can we just agree on that? Like, this is not what Jesus is talking about. You post your, your, your opinion, someone disagrees with you, oh, they hate me, I'm being persecuted. No, he's talking about like 
people will actually hate you for following Jesus because they love their sin and want to justify living in their sin. And someone that has said, I'm a sinner and I need a savior, man, that brings some hatred with the world. Actually, Jesus' first followers were killed because of this. And you know, in the early Christianity, uh, the church was persecuted violently because they said Jesus was Lord rather than Caesar. And that had major consequences at the time. Actually, the first people that were called atheists were Christians in the first century because an atheist was someone that did not believe Caesar was God. And they believed that Jesus was their king and that their allegiance was with him, even if it meant their life. And there are believers around the world that this is their reality in the Middle East, in Africa, in China, in India, that literally lose their life for following Jesus as their king and obeying him because they have found a greater treasure, an eternal perspective to their life, that they don't want to trade their allegiance and obedience to their king for the temporary pleasure of this world. And is that easy? No. Is that difficult? Yes. But is it worth it? Man. Jesus has something so much better for us. And I think in America, we're soft. I think we're immature often. We take disagreement as persecution. We take someone not liking me as hating me. When the reality is, there are just difficult things in our relationships and in our culture that we have to work through following Jesus, and we need to expect and embrace those things if we want to grow. And then Jesus ends this passage, kind of like sandwiched. It starts 15, 18, and it ends with like one of the most famous verses. I guarantee you've heard it before. It's one of Carrie White's favorite verses. It's on her desk to remind her that this is true. In this world, you will have what? Can we put the verse on the screen? John 16, 33. In this world, you will have trouble. This translation is different. <laughs> Here on earth, you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I have overcome the world. Jesus is saying you will have daily struggles and tension with this world that chooses to go in a different way than Jesus. You will have daily battles with your own sin, with your own brokenness, with your own family issues. You should expect those things, but take heart, I've overcome those things. There's a power greater than yourself that you can learn to rely on and face those difficulties with. And one of my favorite authors is a guy named Dallas Willard. Anybody ever heard of Dallas Willard? Uh, Dallas Willard is a, an author. He was a philosophy professor at USC. He's written like some profound books on how do we grow to become like Jesus? Like how does he actually, what's the process that he uses in our life to change us from the inside out? And I'll just go back to this. One of the things that he says is learning to spend time in scripture for yourself and letting God's thoughts soak into your mind and to memorize his word and put it in your heart is one of the key practices. But I'll just put that out there. Challenges challenges on the floor. See if you'll do it. But Dallas Willard said he had this, this other triangle I want to I want to share with you. I'm doing more of a training than a teaching tonight. And the other triangle is what he tries to simplify a lot of complex philosophical and spiritual teaching down into something simple that we can remember. And it's the, the golden triangle of spiritual transformation. And he talks about three things that we need to embrace in our life. And the first one is daily trials. That it's in the details and the difficulties of our daily life where we meet God. And we see our need for God. And we have the opportunity to depend on God. Our daily trials are the pathway to growth. To, to growth. When I experience 
conflict with my wife or my kids, how do I handle that? And how do I then look to God to deal with whether I handle that well or not? These are the places where God wants to form us to become like Jesus. So that's the first thing. In this world, you will have difficulties, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Learn to face your difficulties with God and from his perspective, and that is a process. It's a relationship. And then the second thing he talks about is spiritual disciplines, okay? Spiritual disciplines are these fundamentals that we're talking about of learning to spend time listening to Jesus for yourself in scripture, in prayer. Uh, Part of a spiritual discipline, give yourself a hand, like this is one gathering in community together. Fasting is another one where you might choose to not be uh, on social media for a season or give up food for a time, whatever it is, just to, to be more dependent on God. It's something you do with your body, a discipline to help you depend more on God in your life. And we need to build those into our life if we really want to become like Jesus and live in his way. And so the third thing, this is where it gets cool. And Jesus spends a lot of time here in John 15 and 16 unpacking what this guy does. And the third thing that we need is the Holy Spirit. And so these two things, man, here's like ordinary life. These are unintentional things that just kind of happen in my life. This is an intentional thing I can do. I can choose to have spiritual disciplines in my life or not. The Holy Spirit's work is something that is supernatural, that we're not in control of. And we can either open our heart up to it or close our heart off to the Holy Spirit. And one of the awesome things that Jesus breaks down for us in John 15, that it actually was going to be better that he goes away. And sometimes we think, like, it'd be so much easier to follow Jesus if he was actually here. You ever thought that? You know, like, but Jesus says the opposite. He says, man, it's so good that I'm going to go away because then I'm going to give you the gift of the Holy Spirit. This is what he says, John 15. There's a couple promises he gives in, in John 15 and 16. It says, but in fact, it's best for you that I go away. Because if I don't, the advocate, the Holy Spirit, won't come. But if I do go away, then I will send him. And when he comes, he will convict the world of its sin and God's righteousness of the coming judgment. And then he goes on to say this. There is so much more I want to tell you, but you can't bear it now. When the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak of his own, but will tell you what he has heard. He will tell you about the future. He will bring me glory by telling you whatever he receives from me. All that belongs to the Father is mine. This is why I said the Spirit will tell you whatever he receives from me. Besides our eternal salvation that Jesus offers us freely by his death and resurrection, the greatest gift to believers is the personal presence of God through the Holy Spirit. And I think in the Western church, we've not only gotten soft, but we underestimate and are often unaware of the power of the Holy Spirit. And what I want tonight is to give you a hunger to really seek after what it means for you to be filled with and to walk with the Holy Spirit and to dig into Jesus' words in 15 and 16 on your own. And I want to share a little bit of my experience with you in that just to encourage you. But the Holy Spirit is the experiential part of the Trinity, And he wants to lead us into experiencing the thing Jesus promised. And if we are trying to live the Christian life on our own power and strength without learning to rely on the Holy Spirit, we can get defeated and discouraged so easily. But when we learn to open up our hearts to listening to and depending on the Holy Spirit, man, we can find an abundance and a power and a hope that we never knew we had before. 
And Jesus gets really specific about the role of the Holy Spirit. And if I were to teach a class, I would go through each one of these. But I just want to like fire hose you for like three minutes just to give you encouragement to seek after this on your own. Because there is so much more to the Holy Spirit than maybe any of us have even realized. God always has more for us through him. And, and so the first thing that Jesus said is the Holy Spirit is our comforter, our advocate, our helper. He is the presence of God that helps us see our need for Jesus in our weaknesses. And so when we are struggling, we can go directly to the presence of God. He's with us. We can talk to him about it. We can ask for his help and his, his guidance. We can learn to apply the gospel. And I'll just give you one little example from my life. Like this past week, have you ever had a moment where you're just weird in a conversation? Like I went out to lunch with some friends on Monday, and I don't know why. I was just like not on. I was like, you know, I, I felt like they asked me a question. I got kind of annoyed. Um, <laughs> I, I was just kind of a, a jerk. I don't know. It was weird. And so afterwards, I got in the car with my wife, and I was like, was I off? And she was like, yeah, you were off. And uh, I was like, man. And so I just prayed about it, and I started to ever get in that, like, shame spiral. Wow, this is awesome, by the way. <laughs> this is refreshing. So you ever get in that, like, shame spiral when you mess something up, and you're like, you start, like, kind of going down this train of, like, I'm such a blah 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 like, I can't believe I did that you know, and it just takes you down. And what I decided to do in that moment is catch myself and just say, God, I'm a mess. Would you help me? Is there anything you want to say to me about this? And you know what he said to me? Just in the quiet of my heart, Corey, I love you. It's okay. I said, what do you want me to do about this, Lord? And he said, just call him. So I just called my friend. I said, do you have two minutes? And I said, I just want to apologize for lunch. Like I was off. And I wasn't, I didn't give you the attention that you deserved. I, I just felt bad about that. So just wanted to let you know. And he goes, oh man, you know, my wife said something about that on the way home. Like you just weren't yourself. And he goes, thanks for saying that. I forgive you. And I was like, all right. So the Holy Spirit was my comforter. He reminded me of the gospel. And then he convicted me of my sin in a little way that I could own and admit. And then there was freedom that came from that. The Holy Spirit wants to be our counselor, like this built-in GPS to help us go on the right track. Because all of us, we get off, off track so easily. Does anyone even remember how people got around before GPS? Do you know what they did? Like, you guys probably don't even know. Like, I had to print out a map. Like, I had to bring it with me. I had to, like, read it. It, it was insane. GPS is so much better. And God is saying, you know, it's not as easy as following a GPS all the time, learning to listen to the Holy Spirit. But that's what it's like. It's this, this built-in sense of... God wanting to lead us in the right direction because we often on our own, we, we mess ourselves up. We, we get lost. We get disconnected from God and the Holy Spirit is there to bring us back, kind of like the sheep. And I wanted to show you just a little video to give you a visual of what our life is like without the Holy Spirit. This is what happens when a sheep gets disconnected from his shepherd. Literally, they keep jumping in the same ditch over and over and again. Is that not us? Like, we do that all the time. We, you ever felt like you're stuck in the same pattern of, like, self-destruction or, 
Man, that's what we do on our own. We need the counselor. We need the advocate. We need the helper to help us want to follow God's way rather than our own. That's what the Holy Spirit wants to do. And he wants to give us uh, character, the character of Jesus, to learn how to love people more and more like Jesus. And he wants to convict us of our sin and where we get off track. And so that's what the Holy Spirit wants to do, is to convict us when we're going the wrong way, to, to then follow God's way. And he'll never get, lead us in a direction that, that contradicts Scripture. I mean, sometimes people start saying, well, I think the Holy Spirit's like calling me to, I don't really love my husband anymore. Like, I'm going to divorce him and marry a woman. I'm like, no, that's not the Holy Spirit. Like, that's a spirit, but that's not the Holy Spirit, okay? Like, our desires, our feelings, they can really trick us. They can lead us into ditches. But the Holy Spirit wants to lead us into God's truth. That's why Holy Spirit, he gives us desires to want to follow God when we might want to go the opposite direction. I mean, the reality is, for most guys in the room, I'll just be honest, like most of us probably did not learn to handle sex and relationships in a way that honors God as truth. And we probably have stories of brokenness about that. I could share some of my own. But the Holy Spirit began to convict me when I was a young adult that I needed to seek out what it meant to handle that side of my life in a way that honored God. It wasn't just blending into the pattern of the world. And you know what's become so normal is pornography, and defining ourselves by our sexual desires where God sees so much more than that. He sees you as his son or daughter if you've come to believe in him as your king, and he wants to teach you how to obey him and uh, and to honor God with the relationships that you have. And the best way that I've heard of the Holy Spirit, like the way he works in our life, it's kind of like a renovation project. And that's what God wants to start inside of us. And as a pastor, I don't make a lot of money. So over the years, I've had to do a number of renovation projects. Like we bought old homes. We had to fix them up. We actually five of those I, that we've done. And the first one that we did was we bought this house in, that was built in 1925 back in Roanoke, Virginia. And yeah, it was an awesome house, but it needed a lot of stuff done to it. And we started this renovation project that we, I was doing a lot of work myself. And we had to like rip out the shower that was downstairs and there was black mold behind the shower. It was disgusting. There was like gross stuff in there. And then we went into the basement and we, we got rid of the popcorn ceiling. And do you know what happened when we opened up the ceiling? Like mice fell out, like dead mice, like living, living mice like came out of the ceiling. We're like chasing it around. I'm like, oh my God. And I have these little girls and it was disgusting. But, you know, it ended up being beautiful, but the renovation project took way longer and was way more expensive than we thought it was going to be. And that image just stuck with me is, is, is the process of how God forms our life. Like the, when we let Jesus into our life as our king, that's really the first step. But then he starts going into the rooms of our house saying, hey, I want to talk to you about your relationships and, and what you watch on TV. I want, I want to talk about how you handle your finances. I want to teach you how to be a godly man or a godly woman. I want to teach you how to live, live a life that has your obedience to Jesus as your king rather than trying to get the pleasure and approval of other people. And so he starts coming into these rooms of our house and saying, man, I want to come in here. I want to set you free. I want to, I want to do something beautiful in your life, but you've got to listen to him. You've got to invite him in. Man, in Revelation 3, you might have heard this verse before, but Jesus says, here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and be with them and he with me. We'll have fellowship together. This is the king of the universe that wants to have fellowship with you and your messed up heart. And the heart that would rather end up in a ditch than follow the king of the universe and live as a son or daughter. And he loves you. 
And he wants to do this renovating work in your heart so that you can see something beautiful. And it might be hard, it might be difficult, but that's the process that he forms you through. But you have to learn how to listen to him, to surrender to his power in your life and stop trying to do it your way. And if the Christian life is just about you trying harder and harder to make yourself better and more like Jesus, then you are missing out. You will be discouraged and defeated and depressed because none of us can do that. But God offers us so much better. He invites us to rely on his power and his presence. Christianity is not about some self-help principles. It's surrendering and experiencing the power of God in our soul. So how do we do that? How do we learn to listen to the Holy Spirit? I want to give you a chance to actually respond to him tonight, but I just want to give you three little tips before we close. And and these are are not formulas. It's actually learning to listen to the Holy Spirit takes practice, and sometimes we, we, we get it wrong, and that's okay. That's a part of how God works in helping us learn how to listen to and depend on the Spirit. But the first one is just to ask. Have you ever asked God to help you listen to him? Have you ever asked God to rely on the power of the Spirit in your life? Have you asked his specific help for things in your life? Have you said, hey, I need you, I surrender myself to you? It's like the first step to listening to the Spirit is asking. And Jesus gets really specific about that in John 16, ask. And in Luke 11, he says this, and so I tell you, keep on asking and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking and you will find. Keep on knocking and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks receives. Everyone who seeks finds. And everyone who knocks, the door will be open. You fathers, if your children ask for a fish, do you give them a snake instead? Or if they ask for an egg, do you give them a scorpion? Of course not. So if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly father give gifts of the Holy Spirit Give the gift of the Holy Spirit to those who ask him. And what Jesus is saying here is, if if you feel like you are just missing something with God, just keep on seeking, keep on knocking, keep on asking. Keep coming to him. And God's not holding on you. He wants to give you his spirit, so have you asked him. And then the second one is to believe, to believe that God actually wants to speak to you and have a relationship with you. A number of years ago, I was taking a class on the Holy Spirit in, in, in one of the seminary programs I've been through, and we did an exercise where we just, the, the, the leader of the class invited us to just open up our hearts to listen if there was something God wanted to say to us, and maybe he would give us a picture or encouraging word for someone in the room. Um, and I was sitting there, and I'll never forget, we, we just had this time of quiet prayer, and there are a couple people in the room. One person felt like they got an image of a shoulder. And so there was some, the guy just said, hey, uh, does anyone here have a hurt shoulder? And there was somebody who did. And so we just gathered around him and, and prayed for that person. And his shoulder was healed. And it was awesome. And it doesn't always work like that. It's not God isn't a magic genie, but God wanted to heal that guy's shoulder. And then I was sitting there, and this girl came up to me. And she said, hey, is your ear okay? And I was like, yeah, my, my ear's fine. Like, why do you ask? And, and she said, well, I got this picture of a guy in a red sweatshirt in this room, and his ear was hurting. And you're the only guy in here with a red sweatshirt. Are you sure your ear's okay? And I was like, I'm like checking for wax. I'm like, uh, yeah, my ear's fine. She goes, wait, do you ever struggle to believe you could hear from God? Because the picture I got was this of your right ear, and, and that's the picture that's closest to Jesus' throne in heaven. And I go, oh my gosh, I have been sitting here wondering the whole time if God wanted to speak to everybody else in this room, but he didn't want to speak to me. 
And I said, would you just pray for me about that? I'd love to have more confidence that I can hear from God. And she said, I'd love to pray for you about that. And she prayed for me, and it was this awesome moment for me with God of, of, of learning to have confidence that even though I have messed it up and blown it a lot, that he still wants to speak to me, even if I don't get it right all the time. And so the third thing is to commit, is, is to commit to actually opening your heart to listening to the Spirit, to give up trying to do things all in your own power and strength and say, God, I want to learn to live by your power and strength. I want to experience the fruit of your Spirit in my life. And that starts with just admitting our need. So tonight, I just want to give you a chance to ask the Holy Spirit for what you need from him. And maybe for you, that's admitting you've never asked. And, and man, this Holy Spirit thing seems like, like something you've read about in the Bible, but you haven't experienced it. And I think God really wants to meet you tonight and give you confidence that, that he wants to do something new in your heart. And maybe for you, you feel like you just keep going in the ditch. And you keep landing yourself in the same ditch over and over again. And God's saying, hey, come listen to me. I want to teach you a different way to do that. So I want to invite you to pray with me, and Trevor's going to come back up, and he's going to give us a chance to respond in worship. And that's another place that we meet the Holy Spirit, is in lifting praises to him. The Bible says that God inhabits the praises of his people, and we have a chance to open up our hearts and to sing these truths about Jesus back to him and give him praise for who he is. So let's pray. Father, I thank you that you're a good father. Some people in this room might feel like their father gave them a scorpion instead of a piece of bread. And that's painful. But God, you are a father that loves to give us your spirit as a healer, as a comforter, to change our life, to give us courage to follow you. So God, if there's anyone here tonight that they just are done trying to do life on their own and they want to experience more of your spirit, pray that they could just now just tell you that. And God, Holy Spirit, we invite you to meet them where they are and give them confidence that you want to speak to them, to experience more of the truth of your scripture, that these aren't just words on a page, but they're realities for your kingdom that you invite us into. And for anyone here who's just stuck, falling in a ditch over and over again, God, I speak freedom over their life tonight, that they would find a new way by listening to you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.